Thanks for joining us on People with Passion for Pets. Today, I'm talking to an animal communicator and psychic medium. Her name is Mary Paulette, and her mission is to change the lives of animals and people around the world. Hi, MP. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So welcome, MP, to People with Passion for Pets. I'm so excited to have you on the show. You are a psychic medium and animal communicator for our audience. For some people, they may have never heard of an animal communicator. Talk about what that is and what you do. It's being able to talk to animals. And so I communicate with animals in the form of thoughts, feelings, sensations, visions, and sounds. And the way I like to describe it to my clients, it's like I get all of the pieces of the puzzle together and then I put them together and then I share with my clients what I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, etc., and experiencing as I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So that allows me to communicate um, what's happening with their animals to them and a more holistic. Hollywood, I guess, example would be Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love that. <laughs> I think a lot of times when people hear the word psychic, they automatically think of, you know, speaking to ghosts or speaking to, um, you know, past life forms. So is it that you talk to animals only that have already passed or is it also animals that are in living form right now? Yeah, it's animals in living form. I'll bring up whiskers. There we go. <laughs> He's sitting here on my lap. So if you see my arms moving, that's what I'm doing. But um, no, it's uh, it's living and past. It's with people as well and inanimate objects that I can communicate with. So here's just a quick message for our audience. I just like to thank each and every one of you for listening and supporting our podcast. And if you can, I would like to ask you to take one or two minutes to rate and review the podcast. This will allow us to reach more people with passion for pets. Thank you so much for your support. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And so what it is, is everything's energy as we know, right? And so there's an energetic vibration. And I just have the ability to pull out the messages that are tied to some of those energetic vibrations in people, animals and things as well. So as an animal behaviorist, um, you know, speaking about energetic um, communication. So when, when we work with our clients who oftentimes have animals with behavior issues, one of the first things we like to tell them is that there's usually a gap between the way that we communicate as humans and as animals, because as I like to say, you know, animals are 98% body language energy, and that's how they communicate. And oftentimes as people, we rely so much on verbal communication. And so there's oftentimes that little gap of communication and we can see, and our clients can see very quick results when we start teaching them to be more aware of their body language and what they're communicating energetically. Yes. Um, but you, of course, are taking that to a whole nother level. So you can actually uh, verbalize what the animals are wanting to say, correct? Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting that you touch on that because I have one um, one client who she rescued a dog 
and he was not able to be left in the house more than a minute. She had bylaw that was called neighbor complaints, um, like Mm -hmm. just one after another. And so when I was working with her and now he can be left alone, totally fine in the house. Yeah, it's been an amazing shift. And so what I was saying to her, and I get my clients to verbalize, right? Because for us, like you were saying, that's the verbal communication. That's mostly how we communicate with people. Um, But also to say the words so that they can channel the energy that goes along with that, right? So like you are loved, you belong, you are safe. There's an energetic vibration that goes along with those words. And so I like to encourage my clients to also use words too. Like it's just, and it's, yeah, like you were saying, it's all about the energy that they're receiving. So you are in Canada and, but you, you help people all around the world. So I'm assuming that a lot of the sessions that you do and aren't done in person, they're probably done via phone or Skype. Is that correct? Yes, you're absolutely correct. I work with clients all over the world. So it's really, it's really fantastic. I love it. You know, so you don't need to be in immediate contact with the animal or the person that you are trying to, is it called channeling? Is that the right word? Or Yeah. Yeah. Channeling would be a good way to yeah. describe it. Yeah. 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 So, so- and it, it, I know, and it's really, sometimes it's really hard for people to wrap their mind around, right? Because they're like, well, you're on the other side of the camera. Like, how do you not need to be with my animal? But like I was saying, everything is an energy vibration. So being able to work over Zoom actually is um, a lot better, I find, with my clients. Because sometimes I'm working with an animal who has very, very high anxiety. And so if I was there in person, um, as much as I try to manage my own energy, space sometimes that can be too much for an animal too so you know I spend a lot of the time when I'm in person calming the animal down then having the animal adjust to me being in their space me um, interacting with their owner right so there's a lot of different dynamics and so when I'm working over zoom or virtual like skype or telephone what have you um, they can be in their natural environment they can undisturbed so they can be sleeping they can be doing whatever they want and uh, yeah that's how I connect so it's it's almost like um, yeah it's like the electricity that goes through the the connection so that's the best way okay. I can describe it yeah and, and I guess very similar to obviously it's a, it's electricity too that we are able yes. to see each other right I mean all of that and a lot of people I think understand the physics behind it but oftentimes logically we're still having a little bit of a um, trouble I think understanding that you can connect to somebody else's consciousness or being and being able to then interpret yeah. what they're saying now let's talk a little bit about a session so um, people would come to your website and it's uh, marypolette.com and we'll be sure to share the link in the description below our video when they book a session with you how how does that go do, do you need a picture do you need what do you need to connect with an animal So typically, if I'm working with a live animal, it's just so let's say that you had your dog there with you, just a quick camera, um, you know, a shot of of your animal. And if they are not able to be on camera, which is totally fine, because they don't need to be on camera for, you know, a half hour, hour session, that's a lot to ask of an animal, Um, a picture is fine as well. So and then you, um, by being able to then 
I'm assuming I'm just trying to talk myself through how that might work. Yeah. So you as a medium, you are basically focusing then on this being by having yeah. that picture from them or having the name. Um, and then you are able to connect energetically with, with that being, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I ask for a picture is because everyone has their own different, um, energetic signature to them. So oftentimes when I'm working with more than one animal in the house, I like to get a roster of who's in the house, including children, um, because I can pick up all, as soon as my open sign comes on, I've got a lineup of like people and energies, right. To, to connect with me. And so what I do is when I see the animal, either through picture or live on the other side, uh, like on the other side of the camera, um, I just, I'm able to identify what their energetic signature is. And then that's how I'm able to determine, okay, so this is um, so-and-so who's saying this, this is so-and-so over here who's saying that. As you make that connection, are they talking to you or are you asking questions and then just kind of feel um, the responses? Yeah. And you can probably tell by my reaction. It is, it is like a two-way communication. I'm basically a receiver and it's just a, a flooding of sensations and visions that go through my head and things that I hear and things that I feel. And so I try as quickly as I can to articulate what I'm experiencing um, because they can, you know, it can happen so quickly. This is so neat. And, um, you know, I can see such amazing applications because again as I mentioned we we do uh, behavior training with our clients and of course behavior oftentimes um, you know we come in when the behavior may already be there and and a lot of times it's with um, animals that may have um, experiences in the past which of course we're never aware of and we just have to move forward and the beauty is I think that animals oftentimes are a lot more willing to just leave the past in the past and just step forward into the future. But, um, you know, I could see where uh, just you being able to give kind of the background or or talk to the animal and understand why they're doing these behaviors would be so beneficial. Can you give an example where maybe that has helped you in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I just I have a client from California. So she rescued a pit bull and this dog was deemed as um, un, um, unhomeable, right? Like it wasn't able to be rehomed and they were going to euthanize the dog. And she said, no, I'm going to take her home with me. And so, um, I've been working with her to understand her dog and to understand what her experiences have been in the past. So, because at the shelter, the dog was not able to be around any other animals at all through our sessions, she was actually able to go and visit her mom with two little dogs and all three dogs got along well the entire weekend, right? I was so happy for her because she was able to set her dog up for success, right? So it's just like kids. We want to be able to set our animals up for success so that they have that sense of um, accomplishment and pride as well, because that goes a long way. That is just so awesome. And I could just see where there are so many benefits in, you know, having somebody like you who can um, get in a lot deeper and be able to prepare an animal too for for change because I think that's one of the biggest things too is that oftentimes the animals may not really understand all of the changes that are happening in their lives especially as maybe they're being adopted or put into new homes 
Um, is there, um, is that kind of maybe a common message or something that you've um, experienced over and over that maybe you can share with us? Um, in terms of, I think it's kind of twofold. So in terms of rescues, it's really about going to your animal with the expectation that they are ready to receive kisses on the face and really, you know, respecting their boundaries. Um, so that's the one that I find with rescues. It's more about coaching the owner, like you were saying, really, than, than the animals. The animals often say, you know, they just need a little bit more time to decompress. Like, don't, don't have an expectation that they're going to be all lovey-dovey and of course they're excited to see you and they know that you're rescuing them they know that you're coming with the best of intentions but they also have other stuff that bubbles up sometimes right so it's just like us we get triggers and then we have things that we're like oh I don't know but you know, this happened before, and then my heart was broken, right? So I think we can all relate to that in relationships and that type of thing. So another um, aspect of my gifts is that I can taste food. So I can taste things and I can uh, smell. And um, I often will get the most random requests. So I was working with a rat in Ontario, and she wanted cantaloupe. And that's all I could taste was cantaloupe. And she had never had cantaloupe before. And my client gave her cantaloupe that evening. And she's like, I can't believe it. She ate almost all of the cantaloupe, like right away, like didn't even hesitate, just dove right into it. So (laughs) yeah, it's pretty cool. These are obviously now pets that are in the living. Can you um, talk a little bit about experiences or sessions that you've had with pets that have crossed over? Yeah, that is um, an area of my work that I'm really passionate about because I think that um, grieving our pets is viewed differently than when we view than when we grieve people, right? Sometimes there's people don't understand that grieving a pet is no different than losing your loved one, whoever that loved one is. And, and so um, the reason why I'm so passionate about it is to be able to give people the space and to hold that space for them to be able to grieve because sometimes they don't have that opportunity. So I work a lot with a lot of clients who are working through grief um, from losing their, their animals and then also being able to provide them some peace and comfort and the special messages that come through from their animals. And yeah, so it's, uh, it's something that can be sad, but at the same time, so rewarding. And the way I've come to view death now when I was younger I was scared of dying you know I I used to get panic attacks and now I'm like well no like life is not over right so we're just continuing on in a different form right we're just not in this body form so you have connected with so many um spirits that have crossed over um it is I'm assuming probably 100% positive. Everybody's just happy to be on the other side, right? So it's not like anybody has uh, yeah, anything yeah, I bad would say to so. say. <laughs> no, not so much bad to say, but there are circumstances just like us where um, they didn't have time to process what was happening to them because sometimes it was really sudden. So mm-hmm. there's how it occurs for me is 
we're in living form, then there's kind of this transition area right here. And then over here is when we fully transition and we can go on to our higher purpose or we can reincarnate what, whatever our journey we choose, um, you know, what, whatever we would like to do over here. But there's this middle part right here where some spirits do get stuck. And so my job is to help them transition through. And last week alone, I think we had two, two dogs and uh, a little boy actually that needed to be guided, um, just holding their hand, right? They just needed that security and that reassurance that they were okay. And just the space for them to get empty on what they didn't get to complete in terms of emotional cycles and that type of thing when they passed. So at the end of our pets lives have to make a decision on whether or not we should, um, you know, be able to help them make that, uh, you know, make the journey across the rainbow bridge. It's a very difficult decision to make because you don't want to make that decision too early, but you definitely want to make it at the right time. You don't want to make it too late. So uh, I think these are some of the things that you can also be uh, helpful with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, once, so my client this morning, um, that's all she needed to hear was that her dog was okay. He gave her permission to make the decision whenever it felt like it was the right time for her. And so I think having that permission from your animal, it, it just creates a different experience of the whole thing as well. And being able to prep people, um, you know, I know we're never, we're never prepared, right? There's, there's no amount of preparation that can, that it can heal the heart, the, you know, the, the heartstrings when that, the, when that time comes, but being able to provide the input as to, okay, well, this is what I would like the experience to be like. It just, it makes it a lot more peaceful. And I think that brings a lot of peace and comfort to clients as well. It just, it changes the experience that it doesn't have to be all about loss as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very much true. Yeah. Now, when we um, talk lost, can have you also help people that have lost their pets in, I mean, just physically the pet ran away or was, um, was lost? Are you able to connect with that as well? Yes, I am. So lost pets are definitely a different breed. Uh, no pun intended there, but um, <laughs> they are, my goodness, some of them it's a really complicated area. Um, at least, um, in my experience it is because there's so much that goes into that. Sometimes when they leave, they leave because passing or or transitioning with the family isn't something that they want. Right. So there's that separation there. There's also some circumstances that they don't want to go back to because they can't communicate. That was the action that they chose. It's, it is a lot like when, you know, kids run away, right. There's oftentimes a lot of hurt that's in there. Um, but, uh, yes, I have worked with several, um, lost animals and, I would say probably about 80% of the cases um, we've located the lost pets. The other percentage of cases, unfortunately, they had passed. And then one uh, client, my actually, I think it was my very first lost cat. Um, she just said, I don't want to come back. You know, I love you. Um, and 
this is my new chapter. I just, yeah, I want to be wild. I want to live outside. So, and that was hard for my client to hear, yeah. but at the same time, she was like, okay, well, if that's what she really wants, then, then that's okay. Right. So yeah, we do run into that sometimes too. Yeah. And that, that's actually a very interesting perspective because, um, um, but again, as a behaviorist, I can really see where that's coming from. If you have a great relationship with your pet, your pet really isn't going to run away, right? If, if they get off the leash, unless they are frightened or something happens where, you know, their, their brain is so full of fear, maybe that they're, that they're super afraid and, um, you know, start running away and then can't find their way back. But, um, I could see, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the fact that, you know, if, if you have maybe a pet that is constantly getting out of the yard and constantly looking for ways to go away, then that might be a deeper issue that needs to be addressed. And I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a dog that I was working with and she just, she didn't want to come back either. She wanted to be feral. She was feral to begin with. She was a rescue. Then she got adopted and then she got out of the yard. She just did not want to be in captivity. So that's the other things. And I know that that's really, um, or it can be hard for some people to wrap their, their mind around or to accept, but, um, it's just like people, not everybody wants to have a child. Not everybody wants to have the same religion. And not everybody wants to do this, you know, and it's the same with animals. Not every animal wants to be domesticated, even though they're a domesticated cat, right? Yeah. So, and they're in a shelter that's, that's not all the time. Um, yeah. What's meant for their highest good. Right. So, and it's really allowing that balance. So, and I know it comes from the goodness of our hearts, right? Because we think, oh my gosh, we don't want animals being out in the open and in the elements and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there is that fine line of, you know, nature's balance too, that we have to, um, that we have to respect. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess the individual choice, and I think, you know, that's one thing that, um, I certainly walk into every, uh, meeting with a new client into that each dog is different or each pet is different and they all have a personality. And I think oftentimes um, as humans, we tend to sort of minimize that a little bit for animals, even animal lovers oftentimes will think of maybe um, animals as less complicated, but then we, we also may not give them sort of the freedom of, of choice or having, having certain things that they may like or dislike. Correct. Yes, that is so very true. And that reminds me of, I like to explain to my clients. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard of John Gottman, but he developed the five love languages. And so with my clients, I like to let them, uh, you know, I like to uh, teach them and, um, and tell them about how animals, there are some animals who really experience the world through smelling right? That is how they, they activate all their senses through that primary sense. And then there's other animals who need to see everything, right? They're okay as long as they see everything. And then there's some animals that are auditory. There's some that are physical touch. They have their love languages and some animals have different ways of getting their cup their love cup filled up versus, you know, the typical ways that we think. So cuddles, food, walks, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So yeah, there's, there's different ways that we can fill the love cup of our animals and it's not necessarily the standard ones that we come to think of. Right. So any thoughts or advice that you could give to people on how to find out what is their animal's love language or primary love language, I should say. 
it's the same thing as when we're lost in something and we're totally it, like involved in it and you know we're we're focused on that and nothing else in the world exists that is when you know that you've hit the love language of your animal so that can happen when you're touching them you can see that when they're smelling or if they're just really curious and they want to smell your hair all the time or they they just want to smell then that's how you know that your dog or your animal is experiencing the world through their smell right so smelling is a really important and I'm sure this is what you uh, coach your clients on too in walks there it's huge right being able to allow their animals to smell especially before you add in expectation that's what I like to tell my clients especially dogs um, they really need to have that time where there's no expectation and then you can get the expectation after right so yeah I don't know how that translates for you and in your training and how smelling comes across on on walks and and how you coach your clients but yes you definitely want to um not constantly just walk but you want to stop and let the animals sniff in certain areas right but you also don't want to be letting the animal drag you all over the place so there's that that balance but I think yeah that's very when you were talking about the love languages though I wanted to go back to that you know we have um we have Apollo and Heidi and Apollo is a a miniature Australian shepherd and his love language is definitely more sight, right? Because he, as a shepherd, just being out in the yard, he'll just lay down wherever I'm at, but he's constantly, you know, you can see him just going from constantly watching everything. Whereas, um, you know, the Jack Russell Heidi that she's like a hundred percent smell, right? So she's constantly smelling and digging and looking for yep. stuff. And so, yeah, I, I, th- that just kind of came to me when you were talking about that. And I think that's so neat and probably something I'd like to maybe incorporate with our clients is to kind of just have them think about what is that for your dog? Because then you can um, engage with your animal in much more uh, positive and enriching ways, right? Because you can, the games that you're playing with them or the training that you're doing with them can be very much based on what their primary, yes. um, primary focus is or their primary love language. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you have a dog um, or an animal that is very smell driven, right? You can use that if that's their high reward, then, you know, you can use that as their their motivator, right? As a reward for good behavior or anything that you're you're teaching them, especially on a walk and stuff like that. So, yeah. Any any uh, particular um, incidents or cases that you um, kind of stand out to you that were just very special? or maybe even touching to you personally? Um, I've had so many. Uh, This week, actually, I had a client connect with me about her two horses. And so she's walking out to the pasture and I'm on her phone and I'm on Zoom. And uh, she shows me her horse. And I feel him instantly. So the one of the things for me and how I work is I don't connect unless I have permission. That's just the code of conduct and the code of ethics that I've created for myself. Um, also for a boundary for myself as well, right? And the privacy of people and animals, because I equate that to walking into your house and having the keys and just walking in whenever I want, right? So, um, and the reason why I share that is because I had asked her for permission uh, before, like as she was walking out. And so he connected with me right away. He came running over. So he was a four-year-old gelding and, which is a male horse. Um, 
and uh, he came running over to her and was obsessed with the phone. And I could feel the wave of energy and emotion that was coming through. And he had the most beautiful message for me. Oh, it even makes me like, um, yeah, lose my words here. Um, yeah, he just, you know, it was just gratitude. I'm getting so emotional. Um, but yeah, gratitude for the service that I'm providing people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm laughing only because (laughs) it's, it was just such a beautiful moment. So it was lovely. So he was just super excited just for you to be there because he knew that you could translate basically for him, right. That he could connect further. That's really cool. Yeah. And he just recognized the part of me that is so, um, passionate about what I do. And, and that's what it was when he recognized that part, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I am making a difference in the world. And, and that's, that's what I want, right. Is to make the difference in as many lives as I can, um, in, in ways that really help people feel better in their hearts. Right. So people and animals. So, yeah. That is so neat. So, um, MP, you've not always been an animal communicator. I mean, I'm sure that these gifts that you have, they must have been with you for quite some time. But like career-wise, you you haven't always done this, right? That's right. Yeah, I started my business in 2018. And uh, growing up, I was in aviation and law. So I was trying to decide between becoming a pilot and a police officer, and then I chose policing. So I was a police officer in Ontario for many years, and then I moved out to Calgary. Um, so I was a police officer in Toronto. And, um, and when I moved out here, I decided that I wanted to become a flight attendant because I wanted to get back to seeing people um, in a more positive experience and having them see me in a uniform that didn't represent everything that the uniform represents. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for a little while. And then I, um, came into the federal government as a security, uh, aviation security inspector. That's really neat. Can you talk a little bit about the journey of becoming an animal communicator or how did you discover that you had these gifts and how did you develop them? So growing up, I always knew that I had something, that I saw the world very differently from the way other people saw the world. I just suppressed it for years and years. And then it got to the point um, in my early 30s, I was uh, also learning how to speak French for my uh, position at the time with the federal government. So when you're learning a different language, it's activating the right side of your brain. So I was also learning French and all of these gifts were coming in. And my instructor at the time was a clairvoyant as well. And she did animal communication. So she coached me through it a little bit and said, hey, I think these are your gifts coming through. I think you really need to embrace them. Otherwise, you're going to start getting sick. And that's essentially what had happened. I started getting all of these food allergies and my hair fell out. Good friend of mine, he is also in the spiritual realm. And he said, yeah, we need you need to accept them. So I was like, okay. 
So I just, I took a leap of faith and I was like, okay, I can't deny these anymore because as I'm rejecting them, I'm rejecting myself, which was making myself sick. And I knew I wanted to live life a lot differently. Um, So that's how that all came about. And then from there, I hired a coach in Oregon actually, and an intuitive coach. And so she coached me through um, kind of being able to access my gifts a lot more and uh yeah so the journey was really interesting because when I first started I didn't know if that meant I was like a tarot card reader or if I was an angel reader or if it was Akashic Records or energy healing or what have you because the way my gifts work they're not um they're not just one, right? So I see, hear, feel, taste, smell, everything. That's how I experience all of my gifts. So yeah, yeah, it was really overwhelming. It would be like sitting in the middle of a subway station and feeling everything that everyone's feeling around you and also hearing it in your head. So there were a lot of times where I didn't know if what I was feeling was mine or not. And I didn't know that when I was younger. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to feel my own feelings. Wow, this is so different, right? So just being able to separate that. And so that's why um, I do that, that practice of asking for permission before I connect, because I don't also want to be plugged into the grid all of the time either. So yeah, sure, that that makes sense, because you have to be able to have your own life and your own thoughts and be aware of your own. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, And you spoke to getting a coach. And and I think that is such a good thing, you know, no matter what it is that you are trying to do, it's always a, a great idea to have somebody help you. Because oftentimes when you're, you know, it's the same, I think, with dog training and why people hire us when you even people that understand dogs and have trained dogs, sometimes yeah. when you're so close to something, it's very hard to see, um, you know, what it truly entails and how you could maybe step forward into making it even better. So I think uh, that's always a good thing. I wanted yeah. to ask you, on your website, and again, we'll have uh, we'll share the link to your website in the description below, so people can find out more about you, or connect with you. But on your website, um, you also speak about the um, bioenergy healing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm certified in bioenergy healing and the emotion code to energy healing modalities. And so bioenergy healing is using source white light and working with the auras and working through um, any areas of blockages and rebalancing. So it's it's um, a little bit similar to Reiki, but you're not doing it's not the same hand technique. So that's the, the bioenergy healing and you can do it uh, from anywhere as well. And it's, it's a really great healing art and the emotion code works with um, removing trapped emotions. So in, in our body, in our muscle, in our muscle memory, we have stored emotions that are in there from memories. So it's about harmonizing those and, and releasing those so that we can experience life for more of what it is, not what those memories tell us it is if that makes sense so yeah and do you use both of those uh, for animals and humans yes yeah okay yeah and same I think with um obviously taking advantage of your services there there are certainly um lots of critics that might say you know oh I don't believe that you can energetically 
connect with another being or that, you know, animals even have the communication skills to communicate um, their desires or their conditions. Um, but for those, obviously, who are listening, who are interested to connect with you, share again uh, your website and maybe other ways to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is marypaulette.com. And you can also find me on Facebook as Connect with Mary Paulette and Instagram as Mary Paulette McDonough. So you'll see um, a lot of text will say MP because Mary Paulette can be a handful sometimes for people to say. Mm -hmm. So MP is what I go by by short. Um, But the full name is Mary Paulette. And if you type that in into Google uh, Animal Communicator, it should come up right away for you. So yeah. That's great. And again, you are, you're in Canada, but um, you're available for anybody in the world to connect with you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I have clients all over the world, all over Europe, Australia, New Zealand, uh, you name it. So yeah, it's everywhere. Well, thank you so much. It's so excited to have you on the show. Such a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely. Thank you for joining us today on People with Passion for Pets. We're Jim and B. Walker, and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine Vlog, or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road.